Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Independent Living, we explore the intersection between the drive to promote independent living for people with disabilities and the communities in which they reside. Today's guest is Dan Shorter, CEO at the Coalition for Independent Living, a private, nonprofit, client-directed civil rights organization for children and adults with disabilities based in Palm Beach County, Florida. The Coalition for Independent Living's goal is to promote independence for people with disabilities and has been active since 1989. Just in the past year, they've assisted more than 5,000 families free of charge in Palm Beach, Martin, St. Lucie, and Okeechobee counties. Dan, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. So, Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a Virginia farm boy who came to Florida in the late 70s to work for the Palm Beach Post. Somebody was dumb enough to let me be the front page editor right out of college. And over the years, I've been blessed to have jobs as a VP at the New York Times Company, president at the uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune. And the last 20 years or so, mainly in uh, very, um, very successful Internet ventures. And uh, you get to uh, 2015. And I decided to quit flying to L.A. and New York every day for business and to start working in a nonprofit. I had a long history of working with nonprofits as a volunteer in Palm Beach County. So um, that's what brought me to Silo uh, and the nonprofit business they have. Oh, that's great, Dan. And before we uh, uh, get to unpack all of that, I'd like to first set the stage to, for our listeners uh, on a brief history of the topic and its significance. You know, the history of independent living comes from the foundational principle that people with disabilities have the same rights, options, and choices, and equal opportunities as everyone else. Uh, the history of independent living movement in the United States can be traced back to early as 1950s when people with hearing impairment began establishing local organizations to advocate for their interests. You know, these local groups soon merged into the National Association for the Deaf in 1880. Uh, it wasn't until the early 1940s, however, when the National Federation of the Blind and the American Federation of the Physically Handicapped was formed and disabled soldiers returning from World War II established the Paralyzed Veterans of America. In recent history, the independent living movement is tied in with the African-American civil rights struggle and other movements of the late 60s and 70s. You know, major parties activities involve the formation of community based or organizations and groups of people with different disabilities who work together to identify barriers and gaps. And so in 1972, the first Center for Independent Living was established in Berkeley, California, by by a man named Ed Roberts. So so that's a lot. Right. But so, Dan, tell us. How, how you saw and found uh, an interest in this area and how you got started in this field? Well, my whole life, um, my, my parents taught me to help other folks, you know, help other people, you know, give a hand up to people. So since the late 80s, my wife and I had run a, what's now become the largest food pantry in Palm Beach County. We give away about $25 million worth of milk, egg, milk eggs, cheese, uh, fish, uh, all sorts of great food in our spare time. So I had a lot of knowledge and uh, and I loved giving back to people who were struggling. 
So when I left the corporate world and was looking for a different way to give back, the Center for Independent Living was was totally different from where my experience was. But I quickly learned that uh, there were a whole lot of hurting people and that uh, me and my staff uh, could make enormous strides in allowing people, you know, that phrase we use, uh, you know, independent living. Uh, it can be very broad and it gives us tremendous opportunities and we can get into more of that as we talk. But, uh, you know, what exactly does that mean for folks? But I was drawn to the, the, the fact that I could do so many different things to lift up people and uh, make them happy or give them a better life is what it comes down to. Well, you know, disability is a broad term. I mean, it encompasses a variety of issues from physical, mental conditions. How, how does your organization view or define disabilities and who falls into your milieu that can be helped? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because uh, this kind of comes, I, I call this the left hand and right hand. A lot of people look at the disability community as just that person you know who has autism or someone in a wheelchair. And that's just not true. If you look at who is classified as having a disability in our society, it's close to half, if not more than half of our population, because most senior citizens have some form of disability. You tell me somebody you don't know that doesn't have high blood pressure, pain in their back, they walk with a limp, they they have a chronic disease that holds them back. So defining someone with a disability is very broad. Most people don't understand that. But what is really odd about an organization, and I mean that in a good way, is that Silo helps anybody with any disability of any age. It's kind of crazy. If you think about it, most organizations, they pick a particular disability or a particular age group to specialize in. Now nah, we're nuts. We help everybody. And that's why you get those astounding figures of, 5,000, 5,500 families a year that we that we assist because the truth is the the community of people dealing with disabilities is enormous, especially in Florida, especially in Palm Beach County, Florida. And I, I firsthand have have experienced some of the, some of the amazing work that you do. My mother and I um, uh, spent. Uh, our Wednesdays, we, we call it Save the World Wednesdays. <laughs> we go out and we 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 helped deliver food on the Palm Beach County area, and, and uh, it was a great experience during the pandemic. Um, and your organization does does more than 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 provide um, uh, food for people with disability. Um, you have uh, advocacy. There's independent li living skills training. There's peer counseling, transition services. So tell us a little bit about um, some of the, the, the programs and services that you find um, most needed in the community. Well, I'm going to divide it into two groups because we help about half of our clients not only have a disability, but they've been the victim of a violent crime. If you think about that, it's over 2,000 people a year. Most of it is sadly domestic violence. Some of it is human slavery, sex trafficking. One example is uh, there was a shooting in a church in the northern part of our catchment area, and 30 people were in this little church when someone came in with an automatic weapon and started to fire and the gun jammed. So it didn't turn into a mass casualty event, but those people were impacted by what happened that day. And so we're helping them. We're helping them through therapy services. So that's that's one of the things we do for these victims who have a disability. We do everything from uh, restraining orders to arranging counseling, food, clothing, 
Um, I may have said housing. Uh, we we give them ring bell uh, cameras for their front door to make them feel more secure. Um, just anything they need to make their family safe or put them in a different uh, situation. Uh, now you go to the other roughly half of the families we help. And again, it's really scattered. We do home modifications. I'll give you an example. There was an elderly woman and an elderly man. They had a garage outside their home and they couldn't get in the garage because it was a broken up walkway. Their walkers and their wheelchairs wouldn't let them get it to their vehicle. So they couldn't go to the doctor. So the family had to move mom to New York. Dad stayed here. Well, we fixed that little piece of driveway so they could be back together again. But we do really massive projects. We fix roofs. We put in air conditioners. Think about it. If you have severe asthma right now and it feels like 108 outside and you don't have air conditioning, well, we step in. We did two of those last month, air conditioners. Um, so we do home modifications. Home modifications are really key. Because if you think about it, someone who can't get around their kitchen, can't go to the bathroom, can't take a shower safely. Now, they're not living independently, are they? They're barely living. So we can go in and we can put in grab bars. We can widen a door. It's not like, you know, we ought to build them a house. We just need to make their home more accessible. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because in one of our earlier episodes, Access for Everyone, we were talking about um, people with disabilities and how little things you don't even notice, you never think of when you don't have a disability, but then all of a sudden you hurt yourself or you hurt your leg or you hurt your arm, and now you can only operate with one arm or one leg, and all of a sudden it comes home how quickly and things can deteriorate in terms of accessibility in the home. We were talking about how you go into a kitchen and you see all these cupboards above the, above the stove. Well, some in a wheelchair that's very dangerous they can't reach that and they have they, ha they have trouble reaching over the stove that's lit or the different burners that are going and how much easier it is and cheaper it is if you if you think about that when you're building the unit instead of having to retrofit it afterwards and so i, I can see how that is a big part of your business and 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 to my partner alex who was doing a lot of work in this space this whole retrofitting or building appropriately to begin with can solve a lot of issues in terms of disability accessibility, correct? Correct. And it goes back to what I said earlier, you know, roughly half our population has some sort of disability. So it's not like this is a little niche in terms of the need uh, for the uh, building community. This is an enormous need. A lot of people are just living with with problems that could be solved fairly easily. Like you said, I like what you said about it can be done in the front end. You don't have to modify everything. It's better if you build things in, in the beginning that are more accessible for people. But uh, back to just quickly, back to some of our services. We do deliver meals. We um, we pay rent. We pay utilities. We teach life skills. And people go, what, what's a life skill? Well, you mentioned someone has something happened where they can't walk or they can't use both their arms. We have to teach people things like how to cook, how to uh, use a computer, how to fold laundry. Uh, all sorts of basic things because they've got to learn things all, all over again. Um, so it, it's it's actually the gamut. Anything we can do to make people feel safer and more um, in control of their life. That's what we're doing. Small things, big things, in between things. You know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I go back to the point that you make you made about the um, one in four Americans have some form of disability and in a lot of ways it sounds like it's you know one of the largest misrepresented minorities in the united states um and your services are doing 
it sounds like it's doing one of two things. It's caring for people, taking care of people. But at the same time, it's reintroducing them and as a function part of society in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. If you yes. if you have a disability, you're you're removing yourself from perhaps the day to day activities that you're must that you're most used to. If if in fact you weren't born with that disability, um, but now with with the proper services, you can go back to doing some of the things that you once did, and and that has a profound impact on on communities. If you think about just a trend line, right? I think that if you're going to acquire some form of disability, you, you're you're out of the economy. But now that you're staying in, you know, what could happen to communities around the country? It sounds like it's a really interesting way of being able to provide, um, you know, change the housing landscape for certain communities and areas that are that are that are dropping in, in residents. Um, maybe maybe local businesses can benefit from um, from 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 services towards disabilities or, or having patrons with disability. You know, what are some of the impacts that you're seeing um, in the in the in your service area um, uh, economically from from the work that you're doing? Well, well I haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, we teach tens of thousands of hours. This is just one example. We teach tens of thousands of hours of classes each year for youth. 14 to 22 job skills. We teach them to get their jobs. So just, uh, and it works. It, here, here's how it works. And I call this layers. So I get the joy of regularly getting a phone call from a mom or a dad on the second day of class. They call me about seven thirty-eight in the morning and they're crying. And they're like, my son got up this morning, got dressed and said he was going to work today. I never envisioned my child would even say the word work. Or, or I had a very difficult man who lived about 40 miles from where we had a in-person camp. Very difficult kind of guy. You know, this guy, his uh, his signature line on his emails, two pages long. And um, he called me on his way home with his daughter after the first day. And he, he was weeping. He's like, my daughter asked me today about going to college. She's never talked about going to college. She's never had any aspirations about anything. How did you do that in one day? So you can imagine the impact that, you know, the good Lord allows us to have on people if we have them all summer. So we have kids is 12 weeks during the summer to teach them things. And the, the and what this means is we teach them to be confident. We give them skills. There was a young man uh, this week who's still in her class. And he went for a job interview and his mother very tearfully described this to us. It was like everything was going wrong in terms of the interview. He was cool. He was calm. He was collected. He handled it and he got the job. Um, That happens to us a whole lot. We help kids get jobs who people thought would never have a job. Now, every person that we can keep from, you know, graduating to a couch so the taxpayers are taking care of in the rest of their life. Think about that impact. On the other end, every senior person that we can keep in their home by modifying their home, teaching them how to safely travel using the bus rather than drive, whatever we can do to help them extend their time in their home and not have to go somewhere where somebody's taking care of them. If you're talking about economic impact and how this affects the housing industry, Well, the more we can allow people to have homes, be safe in those homes, be productive in those homes, a lot of what we're talking about is doing that. So um, we are so thrilled that the the kids that we're able to to help get jobs. 
Yeah, you know, you, you, you raise a very good point. I mean, I, can, I can't tell you how many jobs I've lost just because I lost my cool in an interview. So <laughs> I, I, can, I can see how those skills are very, are very important. Well, we have, and I'm so thrilled about this, and, and everything I say with uh, that I'm exuberant about goes back to my staff. I'm just talking to you about my wonderful staff and the great work they do, but we have 150 youth in camp right now. Some are in person. Some of them are virtual. depends on what works best for them. That's a tremendous impact to know that over the summer, we'll probably have 300 different youth that are, are learning classes from us. But I'm going to take it a, a layer deeper, and I hope I can say this in a way everybody can understand. But a lot of these youth that I'm talking about, they're going to have a different impact on society than youth with disabilities when the three of us were growing up, especially me. People with disabilities didn't have much, much of a future, did they? They, you know, they lived with an uncle or an aunt. They stayed in the back room. These kids are going to have jobs. They're going to have homes. They're going to have apartments. They're going to have lives, real lives. And so that's a a big part of what we're doing is to making sure that people can become productive members of society. They can live that independent lifestyle. But here's the big difference. Their families have been helping them for a couple of decades now, right? Or for a long time. They're setting aside trust. They're set, they are thinking about things that didn't happen when I was a kid. They're thinking about how's my child going to be able to survive after I'm gone. These set up opportunities for these these youth are going to have their own home. Mom and dad are going to pass away. They may or may not stay in that home. They may go somewhere else. So there are anywhere there's money, there's opportunities. And so whether it's teaching people skills so they can work and make money or whether it's helping with these transitions where mom and dads go away, sadly, but there are kids left that are 20 or 30 years old with a disability and there's money to take care of them if they have a place they can live. Hey, everyone, before we jump back into our program, I just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to a company that is truly making a difference. Access Built. Life at home should be comfortable, safe and enjoyable for everyone. However, many people face challenges due to physical or sensory impairments, making even the simplest tasks feel daunting. Enter Access Built. They specialize in universal designs aimed at improving the quality of life at home. With their team of specialists, they come to your home, evaluate your unique needs, assess your environment, and pinpoint how it could be more accessible and safe. But what truly sets Access Built apart? It's not just about construction for them. They're on a mission to set new benchmarks in the industry, creating solutions that address the accessibility gap. Their aim is to help people live free without friction. If you or someone you love could benefit from a home that truly serves them, don't wait. Take that step towards a more comfortable, safer living environment. Sign up for a free assessment today at accessbuilt.com. That's A-C-C-E-S-S-B-U-I-L-T dot com. And now back to the show. There's no doubt that your your efforts are making a huge impact on the community. And I think you hit the nail on the head from both ends of the spectrum, keeping people who are older to be a vibrant part of the community and training and teaching and being role models and leaders for the young community, the young people coming up to be, to feel embraced and to embrace the community and to become productive members of the community. I'm curious in terms of real estate and physical plant where you operate, how exactly 
exactly is your organization set up? Is there a central place that the people with disabilities go to? Do you have a team of, of volunteers that go to the homes? How do you day to day interact within the community? What's what's your footprint there? Across four counties, actually five, because we do a little bit of victims work in Indian River County. Uh, we have a staff of 30 that are spread out. We have two offices, one in Palm Beach County, one in St. Lucie County. But our team is out on the, out in the streets, out in the community very much. This may sound a little goofy to, to most folks, but if you back up about a year and a half ago, as I looked to my business as it came out of COVID, nonprofits don't always have the most money to spend, but I can try to make it the best environment I can for people. And we have had some success uh, paying better and taking care of benefits and that sort of thing. But letting people work remotely, now making sure they do their job, right? I mean, I'm a prickly guy. If you don't do your job, you can't work for me. But we have found that sweet spot where we let we pay people the best we can, which ain't bad. And then if, if, uh, if they want to work in an office, well, we got an office. If you want to work home, fine. If you want to work in between, as long as you meet your numbers, long as you help your clients, I don't care. So, uh, you know, that's how we handle it. It's worked very well for us. And the key for us is we've reduced turnover to almost nil. Now, you can remember a year and a half, two years ago, everybody's talking about they couldn't keep an employee. Mm -hmm. We went six, eight months, didn't lose anybody. Uh, so that's real key is to hold on to that, in that intellectual knowledge uh, and not be turning people over all the time, especially when you employ young people. So it's real key to our success is hanging on to good people and giving them an environment where uh, they want to stay. So what what are some of the barriers that you've been able to overcome and or what what are the barriers that you see, you know, as as you continue to do the to the great work that you're doing and or as you continue to expand, what are some of the things that you'd want to um, that you see that potentially want to overcome? Transportation is a is a huge problem. We, we haven't said this, so but I. Uh, people with disabilities tend to have more unemployment, uh, lesser income, uh, fewer opportunities, right? That's just that's just the way it is. I'm not telling you that the, the census tells us that. Government data tells us that. So that translates into substandard housing often. Uh, it, it, and it And it translates into transportation is a real problem. So solving transportation issues is huge for us. Keeping people from becoming homeless is big for us. So if we can step in and we can pay a month's rent or two months rent, or sometimes it's as, it, sometimes we can keep people from going on the street simply by paying their power bill. Because if that power bill isn't paid and the power gets shut off, they're gone. They're, they're out in the car. They're under a bridge. So we, um, we're very proud of our work that we do uh, keeping people from becoming homeless. Uh, so that, that's a big, that, that poverty barrier and the, the things that, People living right on the edge, man. They can't miss a check. They can't have a unexpected expense or they're out, them and their family. And we're talking about people that aren't always living in the best conditions anyway, but at least they have a home. Uh, food is a huge issue also. You know, you brought up an interesting point, which is that the being disabled affects everybody. You mentioned the elderly. You know, we've talked in the past, Alex and I, even on these podcasts about, you know, living in, in Miami with hurricane doors. They're too heavy even for an elderly person to even open and close the doors to their balcony, let alone. So so you've got the elderly and we're all getting older. And you've also got the disabled who are disabled for whatever reason or in a wheelchair or, or on crutches, etc. There's even another group, which is uh, veterans, which I deal with with American 
corporate partners, helping them reintegrate into society after they've given their service to the country. Uh, do you see a lot of uh, veterans within within your your group that you're helping? And do they? Do, I mean, I don't know what what the Palm Beach veteran population is like, but are you coming across that area of the population in which you can help as well? Yes, and and it kind of brings a tear to my eye. My uh, my dad was a bronze medal winner and a sniper in World War II, and he was one of those military guys who never talked about what happened in the war, never asked for anything. He never even went to the VA hospital. They never do, right? They never say a word. Well, that's what I want to take you to. So we see a lot of very impoverished vets who they're just, they're so proud. They don't want to say they're hungry. I had one uh, call me up and needed food. And uh, he was a few miles from where we had a pantry set up. And there was just something in the back of my mind when I asked him, I said, do you have transportation? He goes, yeah, yeah, I have transportation. For some reason, there's this little gremlin on my shoulder that said, ask him another question. I said, well, what, what kind of uh, transportation do you have to travel those five miles in the summer heat to get that food? He goes, oh, well, I have an electric wheelchair. I, I'll get there. You know, that's that, you know, so we delivered to him, right? But was he going to tell us? He needed a delivery? Heck no, he wasn't. You know, he just gets things done, right? So we, the demographics in Florida are there just a, a whole lot more older people here and a lot more military veterans in that group, men and women. Uh, there is a woman I know who's a double, she served in the Merchant Marines and also in the Army. And, uh, you know, she, she became a great volunteer for us and, and, and I met her in a food line. And she, and she ended up, you know, we were able to help her get out of in that food line and she got a job. She became an Uber driver and she was able to take care of herself. She was able to pay her taxes rather than somebody taking care of her. She just needed somebody to give her a hand up. So your organization sounds fantastic, Dan. What does the future look like from your point of view? How do you grow from here? Where do you get your funding from here? What's next in terms of continuing to out to grow your outreach and your impact on these communities? Well, I don't, don't want to be too whiny, but it's important to understand that the amount of money our federal government and state governments gives towards um, helping people with disabilities, I, I'm not saying anything that isn't well known. It's it's not much money. If you break it down to per person or per family, it's pitifully small. And in the state of Florida, it's even especially small. So an organization like mine needs to be more independent. You know, We need to find revenue sources that aren't stuck on tax dollars because we appreciate the tax dollars, don't get me wrong. But the problem is they start low and they never grow or they grow just a few bucks a year, right? How do you pay for healthcare increases for your employees? How do you pay rent increases? How do you pay for inflation? You can't unless you find some ways, un we call it unrestricted income. So we have, uh, we in this job uh, uh, classes that I mentioned to you, we've found, found a real sweet space there where people are willing to pay us to do that for them. So that allows us to go out and make that extra money so that we can pay for an emergency when it happens around one of our buildings, or we can pay our people a little bit better or increase their benefits. Um, but yeah, we're, we're finding work that is not associated with taxes. It's associated with services. Call it fee for service. So um, that's what we're doing. I, I won't mention any names, but we're fixing to start a service for a statewide health provider where they want us to teach job skills training to their uh, their clients statewide. So, you know, being entrepreneurial, you know, my background before I came to Silo was starting new businesses. 
So I, you know, that's that's something. Uh, you know, the, it's allowed us to pay off all our debts. It's allowed us to put a little money in the bank, and it's allowed us to uh, help more uh, more clients than ever before. And that's that's fantastic. I mean, there there's um, there's a term that I that I used to use called conscious commerce. Um, and, this, and this sounds like you know, conscious enterprise is, is an important way of being able to 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 have organizations like yours um, continue to do to, to have an impact in the communities. You know, I, I, it's it's also interesting because in the Southern Florida area, of which I'm relatively new, because I'm a New Yorker and in Southern Florida now and all that, um, there are a lot of there's a, there's a new wave of 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 people coming into the environment that all that also need services, but also um, have the the and maybe the fortune of being able to pay for services. So, so you get you, you're getting new customers, you're getting new 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 communities um, and new interests that that perhaps um, you didn't you didn't have before. So that's really really important. Um, so, how can people get involved? I know you might have some uh, um, some listeners that would be very interested in finding ways to be able to help and make contributions. Is there is there a specific mechanism, a way that people can can contact the organization and, and lend a hand? I'm glad you asked because uh, there certainly are some ways that people can help. I talked about home modifications. We can sometimes unlock a home for a, a couple for a couple hundred bucks. So if you go to our website, silo.org, C-I-L-O dot O-R-G, there's a big honking donate button. You can donate. You can put a note and say home modifications. And uh, you can get you can give more than two hundred bucks if you want to. You can give twenty bucks. You give two bucks. I don't, I don't care. We'll put it to work. We'll use it. There's no overhead, no administrative fees. Every penny of that money will be spent either for home modifications or the other thing is food. Uh, you know, if you want to help us uh, purchase food, especially for the holidays, but year round, we deliver food every week, and we use volunteers from the real estate community every week for years. Uh, help us deliver food. And, uh, you know, that it just breaks your heart to go into some of these homes and see people with no food and in uh, horrible situations they live in. And we can really, this is so important for their health. How can they live if they don't have food? So those are the two ways. If someone would like to, to do that or, you know, if they want to deliver food, we always have some needs there. But those are the primary ways people can have the most impact through us anyway. And how do they reach you? What's the best way to reach or what is the website? It is C-I-L-O, silo, dot O-R-G. And there's a donate button on the first page. Well, listen, Dan, this has been so uh, informative and it's so in, it's so heart, heartwarming to, to find organizations and people like yourself and your organization that it goes out of their way to help communities. You know, we're all pack animals. We all want to belong to a community. We all want to have our support group. It enriches our lives. Everybody who's part of the community enriches a community's life. So the work you're doing here is really helping to grow the community, to diversify the community, and to provide solutions for people that want to continue to be productive part of that community. So on behalf of our listeners, thank you so much for coming on and giving us some insight into what it is that you do. It was a great honor. Yeah, thank you, Dan. I mean, the best part of my week um, was was definitely um, uh, spending time with your teams in West Palm Beach on Wednesdays, uh, getting ready to deliver pack and deliver food. So, so it was a you know, keep up the great work. Uh, wonderful organization. You got a great team uh, working uh, in your organization, and you know, good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. 
You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week.